Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hello, and welcome to another episode of SLP Talk Show. This is actually episode 25. 25. We are still alive. 25 and still alive. I was going to say we're like a quarter of the way to 100, but yeah, Yeah. we're we're still alive. That's good. That's good. Jim and I are back. Uh, We talked fantasy football last episode. Yeah, fantasy football. We kind of went off topic. uh, Our fantasy football draft is coming up in a couple weeks, and I've been studiously preparing. Yeah, you've been (laughs) mock drafting like crazy. Yeah, yeah, I have. So it's, it's a little it's, intimidating, yeah, to be honest. No, I, I'm very excited. I'm very excited about it. So anyways, we're not going to talk about football today. Right. We're going to get back on topic. And before we do get started with the episode, though, we need to start with a fun little game of Chump or Champ. Yeah, I am ready. You're ready. Okay. Um, so here we go. Four questions. Let's see if you can get all four right. Okay. First one. What gives wine its red color? Uh, let's see. Probably not the grapes. I'm going to say it's, um, <laughs> Come on, the Jim. skins. Absolutely. Okay. You're right. It is the grape skins. Cause I, I would have just said grapes, duh. And that would have been wrong. Okay. So all wine is made from the same kind of grapes. They're the all white. Grapes. Oh, they're white grapes. Mm-hmm. Oh, Interesting. All right. Uh, or maybe they're all purple. I don't know. Maybe I have that backwards. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. But they, they make them from the same kind. Maybe we need to do an off-topic episode. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to start drinking wine this fall. Oh, you know, once it okay. gets cold, uh, cooler anyways. I don't really drink wine in the summer, but uh, we're going to have to get back on our wine. So maybe we'll learn wine lingo and we'll learn about wine. Okay. So I, I got that one right. Yeah. One, at, one, at, one for, out of four so far. Here we go. Number two. How many zeros are there in 10 billion? 13. Eh. There are 10. 10. Oh, okay. I was thinking it was 12. Okay. All right. Next question. What not, co- math, not my strong That's suit. all right. What color is the middle band of the German flag? Uh, black. It is red. You oh. know, I just have to laugh at this game because it's called, I should have known that. That's where these trivia questions come from. A trivia game about things you ought to know. And I just laugh that they think this is all common knowledge. <laughs> all right. Last question. Uh, what is the name of the Manhattan Arena where the ice hockey team, the New York Rangers, play its home games? Madison Square Garden. I knew you'd get that one because your favorite hockey team is... The Rangers. The Rangers. I think, yeah. in fact, when we were dating 30 years ago, I think one of the first gifts I ever bought you was a Rangers jersey. Do you remember that? Yep. Yep. It got ruined. It did. But you wore it a lot. Yeah. And you wore it for many, many years. So, yep. anyways. All right. So, you are you are not the champ, but I love you anyways. Wow. You are yeah, the I'm, chump this I'm year. very much a chump. Yes. This week, you like are the two chump. two for four? Two for four. Yes. You got wine and you got rangers. Yeah. And I barely got wine. Barely got wine. But you really, you, you used you your... Could, you could have... It buzzered me on that because it took too long. It took too too long. long, That's all right. I'm a patient. I'm a patient person. Okay, good. Okay, are you ready to get into our topic? Yes. Okay, so what we're going to talk about today is sensory differences and mealtime stress. Okay. 
We know a lot about this topic because of our son. Uh-huh. Uh, so I did actually a social media post about this today. And I had a couple people ask if I would be comfortable sharing our journey with sure. Aaron since yeah. he's a teenager now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of sharing our journey with his mealtime well, maybe not his, our mealtime woes. I don't know, right. you know. So um, I just think it's important for everybody to understand that we are all wired differently, right? Mm-hmm. We're all individuals. We're all uniquely wired. And what that means is that we all process sensory input differently. Right. So our sensory differences actually help define our temperament. So some people have um, more of a tendency to be over responsive in their sensory systems Uh, some are under responsive and some are are actively seeking sensory input so depending on kind of your sensory profile uh, each one of us uh, processes sensory input differently so many young children have sensory processing differences that affect their learning their development, and their participation in daily routines. And one of those routines that we're going to talk about today is eating. So as I mentioned, Jim and I have a lot of experience related to mealtime struggles uh, with our son Aaron. Aaron has uh, sensory processing differences. Um, It's part of his neurology. He is autistic. Mm -hmm. I just want to be clear that you can have sensory differences and not be autistic. Right. Okay. So, um, somebody asked me once, um, you know, can you your child have a diagnosis of let's say apraxia of speech and have sensory differences? Absolutely. Sensory differences can go with any um, profile, if you will. Sure. So it's not specific to autistic individuals. Our son happens to be autistic and mm-hmm. happens to have sensory differences as well. And so, so when someone asked me about our journey, I thought, all right, let's just kind of talk about this. So when Aaron was a baby, I'm talking under age one, he was a very good eater. He breastfed and then he switched a bottle. He mm-hmm. ate baby food. He transitioned to Um, you know, more solid foods without any issue. Um, So I I would say as a baby, we had no issue. I remember around his first birthday, one of his favorite meals was spaghetti and peas. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah, he used to smash the peas. He used to smash the peas with his finger and Mm -hmm. play with them. He was a very good eater, you know, and Mm -hmm. ate with his hands, didn't care about getting messy, you know, all of that. So um, I would say as a baby, we didn't really have any any concerns Mm -hmm. um when he got a little bit older you know i would say after about 18 months through the toddler years um until about age three i would say he became quite a bit more picky but we didn't think much of it because our girls they were picky too they were picky toddlers a lot of toddlers you know start kind of um i don't know refusing to try new foods or having preference for certain foods so again i would say as a toddler we didn't think an awful lot about it Um, I would say during those toddler years, he did start to show quite a specific preference. This is in hindsight now. I don't think I recognized this at the time. Mm -hmm. But he started showing a preference for beige food. Um, Right. You know, chicken nuggets, tater tots, you know, things that were very neutral in color. Mm -hmm. um, Didn't eat vegetables, you know, anything that was green or, you know, wasn't interested anymore in spaghetti because it was red sauce, you know. So um, I think I I did start to recognize that there was becoming an issue with the color of food. Mm -hmm. Um, He had 
pretty significant over-responsivity in the oral cavity. So brushing his teeth. Do you remember? Yeah, it back, was, it was I rough. mean, oh, you guys, if I could even tell you how stressful it was for mm -hmm. him, how stressful it was for Jim and I. Um, we couldn't hardly get a toothbrush, you know, him to even willingly put one in his own mouth, um, mm -hmm. let alone us help him. So unfortunately, um, oral care was almost impossible. And mm -hmm. what I now understand that I didn't understand so much then um, is that those oral um, you know, over-responsivities absolutely translated to food as well. He wasn't yeah. interested in putting new textures or right. new um, consistencies in his mouth. You know, he really um, um, got pretty particular uh, about what he was putting in his mouth. And so... Well, even when you would cook something different that even, you know, that wasn't even for him. Mm -hmm. And it would have a different smell to it. Right. He he, he wouldn't even be in the same room. No, he couldn't. He couldn't. Absolutely. So as a baby, eating wasn't an issue. As a toddler, I think we were starting to get some concerns. Mm -hmm. The biggest issue for us was obviously related to not being able to get in that oral cavity. You know, right. not being able to brush his teeth. So we had some struggles. I think back to then, gosh, Jim, I mean, he didn't sleep. I mean, sleeping no. was a huge issue. He would only sleep if someone slept with him and he had to be touching that person. You know, right. I mean, we tried everything. Right. But anyways, let's keep on topic here and talk about food. So in his early childhood years then, so I'd say after age three, let's say kind of from age three to, I don't know, age 10, you know, kind of in that area, um, he definitely had something called food jags. J-A-G-S, JAGS. If that's a new word for any of you listeners, what that is is when um, a person eats the same food every day for months and months and months, perhaps even for years, and then one day just stops eating it. That's mm -hmm. called a food jag. And Aaron did that with tater or with chicken nuggets. Remember yep. how he ate chicken nuggets every day? I'm going to say for five years. I don't even know. I mean, yeah. I just can't even tell you. And then one day he was like, I'm never eating a chicken nugget again. And he went years without eating chicken. Yep. Now he's back on it. Yeah. Okay. But it was, that is a food jag. So but we, it was like, it had to be reintroduced. It had to be reintroduced. And I'll tell our listeners how we did that. Um, <laughs> but it was more in, in the older years. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on that, but remind me to tell them how we got him to eat chicken again. So, um, Aaron was, and, and this is a term that I kind of use, um, he was not a picky eater. Our daughters were picky eaters. And picky eaters will actually try new foods um, with enough coaxing. And if you introduce it, um, you know, every single meal for a week in a row, it becomes familiar and they're more willing to try it, right? right so that's right. what a picky eater will do. Um, Aaron was not a picky eater. He was what I would call a resistant eater. So it didn't matter how many times you introduced it. It didn't matter, you know, how much you hyped it up. Um, it, it, he wasn't gonna try new foods. Right. And when people would say he'll eat if he gets hungry enough, that's not necessarily true for all um, children. Um, the interoceptive sense is kind of that hidden sense. It's known as the eighth sense. And the interoceptive sense is the, the sensory system that tells you when you're hungry, tells right. you when you're thirsty, tells you when you have to use the restroom, all of those things. And um, in children who have sensory processing differences, sometimes their interoceptive sense um, is under responsive and doesn't tell them when they're hungry. So mm -hmm. to say, just don't, just put, put the food in front of him and he'll eat it when he gets hungry. Well, he may not ever actually feel hunger. So, you know, denying them food is, is never an okay option. Um, so Aaron was a resistant eater. And what that meant was he had a lot of anxiety around food. And right. I mean a lot yeah. of anxiety. Do you remember, Jim? Meltdowns when, all the time. Oh, my gosh. I, I can remember as a mom... 
being so stressed out at mealtime because after working all day, I'd pick him up from daycare. You know, the girls would get home from school. We'd try to sit down and have a family meal. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we lived in the other house? And he would get so distraught and upset if I tried to do what all the professionals told me. Right. Just keep putting green beans on his plate. You know, right. just keep putting whatever on his plate. Don't make him eat it. Just put it there. He would see that. And mm-hmm. I am telling you, the trust issues were so significant yep. that he would have such a meltdown that I would get upset because I felt like now our family meal was ruined, right. which it kind of was. Yeah, do you remember? It would and set him off. It would set him off. And so I felt like doing what the professionals were suggesting and telling you know, all the books I read, about what to do with Mm -hmm. picky eaters. I'm telling you it all backfired, right? Every bit of it backfired. So finally, you and I started just going with our gut instead of what professionals told us. And we said, he needs to eat. Right. Right? He has to get nourishment. He has to have nourishment. And so we stopped pressuring him to try new foods and to eat new foods. And um, so anyways, uh, he was, there was a lot of anxiety around food. He was not what I would call an adventurous eater of any kind. Um, and so, uh, there was a lot of stress and and I need you guys to understand the stress was for Aaron, but the stress was also for the rest of us, for Jim and me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can remember we'd be invited to a get together or something, you know, and you know, we'd be a a cookout or Mm -hmm. something like that. And I I can remember thinking, no, we can't go Mm -hmm. because it was going to be so stressful for us. Mm -hmm and him but then explaining to other people okay yeah he's he's you know he's not going to eat what you serve well what we started doing was feeding him before we'd go and then people would say oh doesn't Aaron need a plate we'd be like he already ate so that was our way of of still going places but not having to worry about early on I think we you know we didn't go to it just because you know there was that and and then we learned then we coped with it by doing that before but if it, if it was possible. Well, but like family gatherings, let's talk holidays, Thanksgiving, right. you know, things like that. There was an expectation that all the kids would sit at the table with the family. Well, Aaron was not sitting at any table that was, you know, food being passed and just to sit there and, right. you know, not eat. So we started telling people he's not, he's not going to sit with us. And I think there was some judgment and I don't think sure. it was, you know. Yeah. There's always that, that uncle or aunt that are just going to be able, well, I'd get that kid to eat. Yeah. Yeah. If he were my kid. You if know. he were my kid, this right. is what I'd do. Right. And so, he'd eat, you know. And yeah. I'm like, okay. So there was a lot of anxiety, again, not just for our son, but also for us. Um, So it was during these childhood years that he started eating the same foods for every meal. He remained on what I have, you know, always called the beige diet. Um, He's never eaten food with a Mm -hmm. lot of color. There seems to be um, a lot of safety in foods that are colorless. If Mm -hmm. I try to give him something like, um, I don't know... Uh, he also doesn't dip. You know how a lot of kids want to dip in ranch dressing or dip in ketchup or dip in salsa. Aaron is not an adventurous eater. He wants food dry. Like he eats waffles plain. Mm-hmm. Right. No. He would never put anything. He would be. He doesn't even want butter on them. No, he he eats them literally. We put them in the toaster and they pop out. Pancakes. He eats them plain. You know he does like chocolate chips in them now. But I mean other than that, no syrup, no you know mounds of butter, no nothing. I mean he really needs things to be what I would call bland. When he has, as he's gotten older, he's been willing to try bites of food I mean not me forcing but he's been interested and tried and he always uses the same descriptor he'll say it's too spicy and I find that very interesting because the food
foods that he does try, I mean, it's not like they have jalapenos in them. They're not spicy. What he means is they have flavor. So he is used to eating foods sans flavor, right? No flavor. So when he does eat something that has seasoning or has a, you know, flavor to it, he, his nervous system interprets that as the word he's come up with is spicy, right? Which is why he says he doesn't like it. Yeah, I think, I think Whitney got him to eat some uh, either macaroni and cheese or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it even was like a Chef Boyardee spaghetti or something when we were gone one time. And, oh. you know, he he did it, but he didn't like it. He didn't and, like it. I wish I could remember what that was. I remember yeah, her telling she, us that She, she got him to it. eat it. And, uh-huh. and, you know, she was very proud of him. Never ate it again. No. But, you know, no. that's... That's right. It was a one-time thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, during these childhood years, he was very concerned um, about the brand of of food too like we there was only one kind of chicken nuggets he would eat mm-hmm. along with of course mcdonald's chicken nuggets whatever it is in mcdonald's chicken mcnuggets every kid on the planet seems to eat those but he wouldn't eat them um you know uh, other types um as he got older he would start doing if they were really soft like chicken strips you know mm-hmm. they weren't nuggets he started yeah. to he started to into, expand on yeah, that a little, little bit, bit. and, and little i think bit. with his uh like his pizza preference you know, I was just up and, you know, at home and, you know, my, my mom hasn't seen him a whole lot, you know, mm-hmm. over the last few years because of COVID and stuff like that. Right. But she was like, well, I've got Jack's pizza for him. Well, that's, that used to be the yes. kind of pizza that oh, he so loved. Glad you she, that up. She's Jack's pizza yep. was what, well, now he doesn't eat that anymore. Yeah. Now, now he it's, eats now Totino's. It's, it's Totino's <laughs> and he does eat it with pepperoni on it now. So he has expanded. Right. Right. You know, and, and but, I think his, his, his palate has matured just a little bit. But so. he will eat the Jack's pizza. He will. I mean, it's just, that's not his preferred brand right now because right. he's very brand specific. So because of COVID, and I don't even know if we can still blame this on COVID, but supply chain issues that mm-hmm. we seem to be having, we mm-hmm. can't always get his preferred pizzas and so i can now explain to him they don't have them they're out you know um our tater tot woe has been a real issue um you know if you follow me on social media i did actually a post about tater tots um uh, last week uh but um he is more tolerant to or i mean he's more able to understand when i say the store doesn't have them and we do say because of covid because that just Mm -hmm. seems to resonate with him somehow you know but um so anyways yeah he um during his childhood years continued to struggle using utensils i know everybody's like he needs to use a spoon and a fork and he needs it i'm just going to tell you that um a lot of kids especially autistic children have this kind of global apraxia it's called dyspraxia or developmental coordination disorder and it makes learning to use utensils doing any kind of fine motor sure. skill makes it challenging so to this day Aaron is 17 I mean he can use a fork he can cut food you know he with a knife he can do those things but if there is any food that can be eaten with his hands he will always do yeah. it I mean even scrambled eggs you know yeah. I catch him picking up I'm like and if I were to say oh bud you know use your fork so your hands don't get greasy or something I mean he would totally it just is more natural you know to use his hands but so then um so one way that i've always described aaron well jim and i have both done this is that he doesn't do new that's always been our saying he doesn't do new and that is related to food related to clothes related to i mean everything that he does he's very routine oriented and mealtime is a routine Mm -hmm. and he prefers it stay the same i'm gonna i think i said it earlier i'm gonna say it again there is safety in the familiar 
for our children with sensory, especially sensory over responsivity. They need things to stay the same, to feel safe, to reduce anxiety, to keep them from going into fight or flight mode. Okay. Um, the other thing I'll just let you know, since somebody had asked specifically about our journey at age 10, and I know it was age 10 because it was a year I got breast cancer. It was 2012. He actually had to have oral surgery to go in and repair right. all of the the damn, I don't know, because we did couldn't do good oral care, you know, and the mm-hmm. guilt. I mean, gosh, didn't we have guilt, Jim, associated yeah. with that, that we couldn't even keep his... Well, and you couldn't do it a regular way either. You had, we had to go to an actual, you know, operating room. And, yeah, it was know, oral it was... surgery because he couldn't handle. But we found a great dentist who um, has worked with him. And I just took Aaron to the dentist um, Monday. And he does great. He's amazing. He takes x-rays. He gets fluoride. I mean, so the journey, if you are a parent and have a young child, you know, who is struggling with all of these eating and oral um, issues, um, I will just give you uh, my little mantra. Jim and I have lived by this. Forward is forward, no matter the speed, right? Um, You've got to uh, move at a pace that is um, in line with what your child's nervous system can handle at this moment in time. When I was driving Aaron home from the dentist, he asked me what the doctor, the dentist, had 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 meant when she said um, something about how far he's come, you know. And I, she just made some comment to me, really praising him because he has braces now. Gosh, mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk all day yep. about the things that he's been able to tolerate. And when we got in the car, he said, "What? What did she say that?" Um, did I not used to do good or something like that? He actually asked. And I said, well, buddy, when you were little, you were scared, you know, to go to the dentist. He said, I was, but she's so nice. Like it was really interesting. He said, I don't remember crying at the dentist. So I was kind of telling him about, you know, just, I didn't go into a lot of detail, but just helping him to understand that it used to be very stressful. And he said, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. So um, it's really interesting. Uh, I I don't know. It's fascinating talking to him about that. So then I'll end with where we are now as an adolescent or a teen. He continues to have what I would call a very predictable meal plan. He eats the same foods for every meal, but he does have some variations. Now, they're all still beige variations. Like he will eat hot dogs or he Mm -hmm. will eat scrambled eggs for supper, you know, or it doesn't always have to be for breakfast. He'll eat pancakes and waffles. It doesn't have to be chicken. He loves bacon. He loves bacon. Who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't love bacon? Exactly. So he does have variations. Because he'll eat chicken strips, because he'll eat any kind of pizza, we can pretty much find something at any restaurant. When we went to a Mexican restaurant not long ago. Do you remember? I wasn't sure if they would have chicken strips. I didn't see anything on the menu online. And so we explained to him that he will do grilled cheese. It's not his favorite, but he'll eat it. That quesadillas are grilled cheese, but in tortillas instead of, you know, bread. And so we talked about it and I showed him what they look like. I mean, we really prepared him. And so when we went to the Mexican restaurant, they did offer French fries, but there wasn't any chicken. So he got a a cheese quesadilla and French fries and he ate it. I mean, it was amazing. Now, I asked him, did you like it? He said it was okay, but it was new. He did it. Right. He, you know. But it was beige. It was beige. Very beige. Very much in line with what his nervous system can handle. Um, So I feel like we can go out to eat. He doesn't drink any soda, or if you're from the Midwest like we are, we call it pop, right? He doesn't drink Coke or Sprite. I mean, he doesn't have any of that kind of sugar, so he doesn't do any of that. In fact, the only thing he drinks is water and white milk. Mm -hmm. And even though he's 17, every day for lunch, what does he drink? Oh, uh, a juice box. Yeah, it's a Capri Sun, which is tiny. It's like three sips for him, but he's done that his entire life. And so he has three sips of that. That is really the only kind of thing that he drinks other than water and white milk. Um, He doesn't eat any kind of candy. 
He is not a fan of candy. Nope. So there is no candy that he eats. He sticks to his, what I would call, self-imposed meal and snack schedule. And what I mean by that is you and I might be like, let's have a snack, you know, in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. Aaron would never do that. I mean, he does not snack. I mean, he has a snack in the afternoon, but that's his self-imposed. He would never, like, go and grab a bag of chips or go and grab. No. I mean, it's crazy. We'll be out and about, and I'll be like, hey, buddy, do you want to get some popcorn or something? He'll be like, no, it's not time, you he, know. He does raid the cookie jar. Well, he does love his cookies. Yes, he does do that. He does do that. Um, He does, what else? He does brush his teeth and willingly well, and independently. Uh, and he like, does it after every meal. Religiously. Yeah, he does it after every meal. His teeth, where the dentist, she's like, I just got to say, his teeth are in really good shape. And I'm like, well, they should be because that boy takes care of his teeth now. Um, because it's all part of the routine, right? right? It's part of the well, schedule. He's, he's getting his, his braces off ahead of schedule. Because he's Because so he's well. so diligent about wearing the bands. Rubber bands and, mm -hmm. and all that. He only had to wear rubber bands for like a... Six not even weeks, a month. I think. Yeah, no, I think it was about six weeks because was he it did it so weeks? well. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know if it was that yeah. long, but. So for those of us who have what I would say typical or positive relationships and experiences with food and with eating, there are just some some important things that I think we need to understand. Okay, um, uh, we need to understand that eating is a variable and highly personal sensory experience. So we should not be passing judgment about another person's eating preferences. Right. Yeah. We should not be saying things like, that's gross. I can't believe you eat that. Or why do you eat the same foods every day? How boring. Right. We can't. Our opinion and our judgment is should not be shared, especially um, with children who have um, sensory differences. Another thing for us to keep in mind is that for children with anxiety around eating, uh, one of the strategies that they use is to always eat the same foods because there is that safety in the familiar. Uh, one other thing to remember is that forcing children to try new foods by either bribing them or tricking them, you know, trying to stick something in something else, um, can cause trust issues mm -hmm. and can be counterproductive. Yep. And the last thing that I will share with you is that we should really strive to keep all food related interactions and conversations positive so that right. we are... I don't know, not sending a message that the child um, is wrong, you know, or that their eating preferences right. are not good enough. Or so Staying positive instead of creating an air of negativity around yeah. it. Yeah, because I, I promise you they sense that, you mm -hmm. know. And, and I, I think back to when Aaron was young and a lot of the stress was caused by me. Um, but again, um, and not that I, I'm trying to blame anyone, but I was trying to do what professionals told me, what I sure. thought was best, you know. Yeah. He needed to eat. And well, there were good intentions they behind were very that, too. Good intentions. So, I mean, very and, good that, and that's what I think parents struggle with, too, is yeah. that, you know, they're, they're trying to, to help as much as they know how right. or, or can. And, you know, it doesn't always, you know, work out, I guess. Right, right. right. So if, if, you know, you have a child who is struggling with gaining weight, you know, who is not eating enough mm -hmm. to... Uh, be healthy, then obviously we, we need to be talking, you know, you need to get a dietitian involved. Right. You need to work with your pediatrician and a feeding specialist and all of those things. But any strategies that you would use should still take into consideration the child's nervous system, you know, their individual sensory needs. And again, not trick or force or bribe right. uh, when it comes to food. I will also say you want to make sure that um, 
uh, that everything structurally is okay. Um, make sure there isn't a tongue tie, you know, that mm-hmm. there isn't a lip tie, that there isn't some reason, you know, structurally why perhaps chewing or eating certain textures of foods, you know, could be a, a problem. Okay. With our son, it was absolutely all sensory related though. I mean, right. it still is to this day. So uh, anyways, I hope you found that uh, this information helpful. It, it, it has been a journey. I think it will continue to be a journey. Uh, but Aaron has made uh, certainly a lot of gains as far as, you know, eating and anxiety related to eating. He sits at family dinners now. He yep. sits at big gr- We can go to potlucks. He isn't, uh, he, he's still offended by certain smells of foods. He'll right. tell us, I don't like the way that smells, but he right. doesn't have to leave the room necessarily. Right. He can, he can still, deal with it. More. He can deal with it. So anyways, thanks for uh, listening to another episode of SLP Talk Show. Uh, I don't know what we'll talk about next time, but we will uh, continue to find topics that are relevant. We appreciate your feedback and letting us know if there is anything specific that you'd like Jim and I to cover. We are always happy to do that. So as you head back to the real world, um, be kind. Can I say it again? Please be kind. Um, Practice acceptance and you know what? Get your mammogram if it's time. Get your boobies checked. Early detection could save your life. It certainly saved mine. I am a 10-year breast cancer survivor. Until we meet again, cheers.